Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 and uh, meet me at verse 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. want to welcome everyone watching with us online. Thank you so much for joining us. Everyone that will watch the replay, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone in your car right now listening to the podcast, Thank you so much for joining us today. And Paul tells us here in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, I'm going to read in the Passion Translation. It says, For when the time was right, the Anointed One came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's compassionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Over the last few weeks, we have been talking about a distinguishing difference between a sinner and a saint, a believer and a non-believer. And we have come to the conclusion, We several weeks ago, we talked about joy. A believer is going to have joy and a non-believer is not going to operate in joy. Uh, you know, if we were to compare a believer to a non-believer, a sinner to a saint, we could look at their time spent and it probably is pretty equal. I mean, we all have to wake up. We all have to brush our teeth. Most of us are going to work. We're all eating dinner and then we're taking a shower. We're going home and going to bed. If I were to compare your money to a uh, unbeliever, it's going to be the same way, right? You're go- we're going to pay some bills. We're going to eat out. We're going to buy some things, uh, whatever the case may be. It all might be similar. So there should be some distinguishing, determining factors that are different. And we said a few weeks ago that the joy of the Lord, a saint, a believer should have the joy of the Lord in operation and an unbeliever will not. And then we talked about the peace of God. A believer should be walking in the peace of God and an unbeliever will not. And so if someone were to look at a believer and an unbeliever and they would say, what is the difference? One has joy, one has peace. And today I want to talk about the love of God and how the love of God should be a distinguishing determination in our lives. And the gospel is this. You and I are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, you and I are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And we saw through this passage of scripture that Christ proved his passionate love for us by not only coming to this earth, but dying in our place. Watch this. While we were still lost and ungodly. Now, notice Paul tells us in this passage that if we were a good man or woman or if we were a noble man or woman, somebody might simply die for us, right? If someone, you know, Mother Teresa, I mean, who was considered a noble woman of God, somebody might give up their life for Mother Teresa. 
But someone that's evil and wicked, nobody's going to really give up their life for someone evil and wicked. Matter of fact, we're going to believe that they deserve, right, to uh, end their life quickly, right? But Jesus, through God's passionate love, came to the earth not to die for just good people. He came to the earth to save sinners and to give his life for wicked, ungodly, and evil people. And God loves you as you are and not as you should be. I want you to get this truth. God loves you as you are right now, as you are, he loves you and not as you should be. If you continue to view yourself as having low self-esteem, shame, remorse, unhealthy guilt, and self-hatred, you reject the love of God. Let me say it again. If you continue to view yourself with low self-esteem, shame, remorse, unhealthy guilt, and self-hatred, you reject the love of God. I think in our society right now, there's been so much confusion. There's identity confusion. People don't know if they're male or female. People don't know if, if they're black or white. People don't know a lot. There's a lot of confusion going on. And I believe that if the love of God was taught in its simplicity and in all of its capacity, it has the ability to change someone as to how they think about themselves or even how they feel about themselves. It's the love of God that's going to change because I believe if you are confused as to who you are or how valuable you are or what, or what God has called you to do, if it's all confusing to you, then there could be this element of hatred that you have for God. And this hatred that you have for God would cause you to start rejecting God. But if we preach the love of God in a way that the Bible commands us to, then we'll begin to help people see that God is not against them. God is not your adversary. God is on your side. He is for you. He came to die for you. He came to give his life for you. He came to redeem you, not as you should be, but as you currently are. There were several years ago, many, many years ago, probably even decades ago, I was watching Christian television and this man was preaching and he had seven steps to love God. Seven steps to love God. And I say that to you now, we're all like, oh, yeah, seven steps. What are these seven steps? (laughs) I was listening to him and the spirit of God spoke to my heart. And he said, that ain't right. I thought, what? I heard in my heart. That ain't right. I said, oh, Lord, this man is he's on TV preaching. Step one, step two, step three. And the spirit of God said, that ain't right. I said, well, what's right, Lord? He said he needs to be preaching seven steps to receiving love from me and not humanity loving me, but me loving humanity. See, we love him because he first loves us. When we understand how much we are loved by him, it is easy. You don't need seven steps to love God. It's easy to love him when you know how much you are 
loved. And there's been too much of an emphasis placed on us loving God. You got to love God. You must love God. And I believe that people need to understand how much they are loved by God. And when they understand how much they are loved by God, then they'll begin to reciprocate that love and respond in kind and love God. But too, too often we have, we have sinners that are angry at God because they don't understand his love. We have saints that are mad at God because they don't understand his love. And I'm here to tell you, God loves you as you are and not as you should be. Say that God loves me as I am and not as I should be. You must rework your self-image and accept yourself as lovable. Say, I am lovable. lovable. You got to rework your self-image. You got to change the way you think about yourself. You got to change the philosophy that you have about self. You got to curse those words that were spoken over you that's telling you that you are not lovable. You got to begin to say, God loves me and I am lovable. Say it again. I am lovable. You are deeply, passionately, and unconditionally loved by God. God loves you deeply, passionately, and unconditionally. You are loved as you are right now and not as you should be. I don't care what you did 10 years ago. I don't even care what you did last night. God loves you as you are And not as you should be. That's good news for me, church, to know that I am loved by God right where I am. There's nothing I can do to get him to love me more. Let me say it again. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to get him to love you less. There's nothing you can do to get him to love you less. His love is consistent. His love is constant. His love remains the same. His love for you never changes. He loves you. It's not like the old Janet Jackson song, what have you done for me lately? No, 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 no. His love for you is the same. Whether you do for him or not, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Come on, somebody say, he loves me. Say, he loves me unconditionally. He loves you because he chose to love you. He chose to love you. When my babies were born and I loved them before they were even (laughs) came out the matrix. I loved them before they even (laughs) came into the earth. I loved them. Right. But when I saw them, I chose to love them no matter what they ever do in this life. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. And do they get on my nerves? Yes. Do they back talk? Yes. Do I have to discipline? Yes. Do they zap me of my energy? Yes. But I love them because I chose to love them. Now, imagine me. I'm flawed. Right. I mean, I'm I, 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 I don't I'm learning how to walk in perfected love. If I can love my kids that way, how much more could a perfect God love us? I mean, how much if I can if I can demonstrate love for my kids in that way and I have issues myself, how much more can a perfect God love us despite our flaws, despite our frailties and despite our issues? Come on, somebody shout. He loves me. Now, 1 John chapter 4, turn there real quick. 1 John chapter 4, and let's look at verses 7 through 10. 
1 John chapter 4, 7 through 10. Now, John is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, or some people call him the beloved disciple. He authored five books. Those five books are 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the Gospel of John, and the, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So he has a lot to say about love. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. And he tells us in verse 7, beloved, beloved. That's what beloved means. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Watch this. For God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. In this, the love of God was manifested. We're about to see how God manifested his love. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Watch this. In this is love. Not that we love God. So we're not talking about us loving God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. Now, look at me real quick. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And he's not talking about you loving him. Too much emphasis has been placed on us talking about loving God. But God's saying the entire gospel is about me loving humanity. And he demonstrated this love by coming in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Incarnate. That's what incarnate means. The divinity got into humanity. God in the flesh come to the earth to die for his creation. And you think, well, how can God die? He submitted himself to come in the flesh so that he could die for you and I. Glory to God. You're talking about some love. And listen, we weren't that good looking when he did that. We weren't serving him. We weren't tithing. We weren't giving when he did it. We weren't saying hallelujah. We weren't doing Christmas outreaches. We weren't doing any of that. We were lost, going straight to hell. We were sinners and we hated God. But he died for us. That is the gospel. He died for us and he showed us, he manifested his love for us when he saved us from all of our sin, past, present, and you better believe future sin as well. He loves us. Somebody say, he loves me. Say it again. He loves me. Say it one more time. He loves me. Now, don't get this twisted. I must make this statement. Don't get this twisted. You can't have God without love. Okay, you can't have God without love, but you can have love without God. And that is called sin. You can't have God without love. But if you if you manufacture some love without God. That is sin. And I'll let you all think about that. John three sixteen. Turn there real quick. John three sixteen. Very famous passage of scripture John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life Now watch this let's break this verse down 
God loved, he so loved the world. God is the, he is love, right? He's the instigator, the source, the originator, the creator of love. God so, the originator, instigator, the source of the creator of love, so, that word so, that little two-letter word, is the word that places emphasis on something. For example, a couple days ago, I was so cold. How I many of you felt that hawk out there? My gosh, it was cold. I was so cold. I had to throw a jacket on. I don't like wearing jackets. I had to throw a jacket on. I had to, I had to warm up because it was so cold. So there was an emphasis or a degree that I placed upon how cold it was. For God so, there's an emphasis on what? The love. God so loved unconditionally. This is by choice and not by chance. He so loved. There's an emphasis placed upon the love that he has. He so loved the world. Now, that's not, he's not talking about trees and plants and, you know, your, your dog. He's not even talking about your dog. I know you love your dog, but God don't love the dog the same way he loves you. And somebody's going to get mad, but that's all right. I don't, want, I don't want no letters, but God loves humanity. Oh, would you lay hands on my dog? No. No, I will not. Well, praise God. I didn't get a hearty amen on that. For God. <laughs> so there's an emphasis on the love, love the world, you and I, that. Somebody shout that. that. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means the love that he has for you caused him to do something. So many years ago, I so loved Stacy Crothers. That it caused me to do something. That I bought her a ring. So many people, I love you, but what is that love causing you to do? It caused me to do something. I proposed. I love you. I proposed. And I'm buying you a ring to show you that I love you. Oh, we can say I love you all day long. Oh, I just love you. I love you. love you. And don't do nothing. Don't show it. Don't demonstrate it. Don't give it. Do nothing. But the love that God has for us caused him to do something. It caused him to give. Now, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So this love caused him to give his only, that means he only has one of this, begotten son. So he didn't give a star. He didn't give a planet. He didn't give a tree. He gave something that he only had one of. He gave his only begotten son, his most prized possession. He gave the love. This love caused him to do something. It caused him to give the one thing he had one of. He's got many planets. He's got many stars, many, many moons. There's, there's more than one moon out there probably. <laughs> but God gave us the only thing he had one of, his only begotten perfect son. That whoever, I like the King James says, whosoever. That whosoever, that means there's a chance that you might decline. You might reject this offer. That whosoever, somebody might reject it. 
but I want to give it to everybody because somebody actually might accept it. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish or shall not be eternally cast away from God. Shall not be eternally separated from God, but will have everlasting life. God demonstrated this love when we were not living for him, when we were not righteous, in right standing with him. He demonstrated this love for us when we were broken, busted, and disgusted. And you and I are whosoever. Thank God that the gospel was preached to you and you were able to receive the gospel and experience this love that God has for you. Thank God. Will you just lift up your hands for a moment and just thank God for that. Thank God that you heard the gospel and receive his love. Somebody say, I am not just loved. I am so loved. Go to John 17, 23. John 17, 23. The same John is the one that authored this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He quoted Jesus as saying, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me, watch this, and have loved them as you have loved me. This verse quoted by the Lord Jesus Christ is a verse telling you that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He says that, look at that. The world may know. Individuals may know that you have loved them as you have loved me. God, through Jesus, is telling us that the same love God has for Jesus is the same love he has for you and I. It's no different. Well, you would think, what's well, easy to love Jesus? He didn't do nothing wrong. And God says, I love you exactly the same, and you do things wrong all day, every day. And I love you exactly the same as I love my perfect son, Jesus. Oh, that's good news to me to think about that. I am loved when I have a negative thought. God loves me. When I have a bad thought, God loves me. When I cuss, which I don't cuss, but some of you do, God loves me. God loves me. When I fuss, he loves me. When I'm not treating my wife right, he still loves me. And he loves me the same as he loves Jesus. Say this, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Now slow it down. Say this after me. Slow it down. God loves me. As much as, as much as he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. Was there anything Jesus lacked while he was on the earth? Did he lack for anything? Not one thing did he lack for. Was there anything Jesus asked for that his father did not provide for him? Not one thing. If the love is the same, then the results should be the same. Are you listening to me? If the love is the same, then the results should be the same. Jesus didn't lack. God loves Jesus. God loves me. Therefore, I'm not going to lack. 
Now, you may have had bad parents. Yes, there have there are some bad parents. Okay, you may have had some bad that loved your sister more than they loved you or loved your brother more than they loved you. You may have experienced that. I am sorry. Uh, Matter of fact. I'm just going to say it. Y'all ready for this? I didn't plan on going this direction. Y'all ready for this? This whole favorite child thing is very, very consistent with Scripture. Sometimes you think, well, my, 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 my mother loved my sister more than me. That's probably true. I hate to say it, it's probably true. It's probably true. It, well, I don't understand that, um, you know, my... my the, they're favoring this grandchild. There's a certain grandchild that's being favored and, and he doesn't. That's probably true. And in scripture, we see it all the time. Was Joseph more loved than his brothers? Huh? He got a coat and he flaunted it. He let him know. My father loves me. OK. And he loves me more. Did, did Rebecca uh, choose one between Jacob and uh, Esau? Did he have a did, did she have a favorite? It's, just, it's consistent through Scripture, and you may have experienced it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's normal. Matter of fact, you think you love your kids equally. Those of you who have multiple kids, ask your kids which one got more love. And they'll tell you. I didn't mean to talk about this, but ask them, which one got that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's true. And so it's it's normal. I didn't say it's right. I said it's normal. But thank God he doesn't have that kind of love for us. It's the same. It's consistent. It is constant. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. He doesn't. I've given my life to serve the Lord. I've given my entire life to, to, his, to his ministry and to do what he's asked me to do. I, I do it on a full-time basis, giving my life to it. But he doesn't love me more than he loves you. It's the same. You could be working 14 hours a day and God loves me the same as he loves you, the same as he loves Jesus. And so all this, all this unfair that you've experienced growing up, we all have some way or another experienced some unfairness. God's not like that. And the enemy has come in to try to convince us this is how God is like. And so you think, well, they're doing better than I'm doing because God loves them more. It's not true. He loves you the same. Now, they may have tapped into this love a little bit more than you have, They may be experiencing his love a little more than you have. They may know how to access the love a little more than you have, but it's not a different kind of love. It is agape, unconditional love. Somebody shout, I am loved by God. So watch this. Was there anything Jesus lacked while he was on the earth? Not one thing. So you shouldn't be lacking because the love is the same. Was there anything Jesus asked for is that his father did not provide him? Not one thing. So you should be in the will of God, abiding his word, his word abiding in you. You should ask what you will and it shall be done for you. This is scripture. So we should be receiving what Jesus received. 
on the earth because the love is the same. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 5. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. Paul tells us, For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. There it is again. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. The same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. Say this after me. The same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. It's the same love. The same love. Now, I feel led to share this, but if you are a believer and you are a non-believer, you're going to experience a different manifestation of his love. Can I give you an example? I love Carl. You see Carl back there? I love Carl. Carl's a good man. I love that man. That man is a man of God. I love him. He texts me. We stay in touch. He always is encouraging me. I love him. I love my wife, Stacy. I love her. If Carl messed with Stacy, you think I got a problem to trying to figure out who I should manifest my love towards? I would not one, not one, I don't even have to think twice. I'm going after Carl if he messed with my Stacy. Are you listening to me? God has the same thing for you now because when we embrace and accept it, we become his children. The world, he loves them. He loves sinners. God loves sinners. But they're not his children. Matter of fact, Scripture tells us they're of their father, the devil. They have a father, it's the devil. So God loves Pookie, who loves the Lord. Pookie is saved and he's given his life to Jesus, and Rayway is unsaved. If God was going to protect Pookie or Rayway, which one is going to be? Why? Pookie's his child. And he's got a covenant. That's right. He's got a covenant with Pookie. And there's the difference. Pookie is family. Now, he loves Ray Ray, but Pookie, that's, that's family. We got to become children of God. And I don't care if any, I don't care what politician gets up and tell you we're all children of God. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. We are all not children of God. Some people are children of the devil. And it's manifesting that they are. You, you ain't tricking me. I see it. God, that God cannot be your father. Now, God loves them. But they got to make a covenant with him and they got to embrace Jesus. And once they embrace Jesus... Very simply, if they confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Saved. That's it. But they got to do that or they're going to no longer be family. So the love is going to manifest in different ways. But the love is the same. Are you tracking with me this morning? 
You are God's child and God has a bountiful, plentiful, lavish and generous heart towards you. That's what that that verse was saying. Put it back on the screen, you guys, if you don't mind. Ephesians chapter one, verse five. I like the beginning part. It says, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. So there's a difference between sinner and saint, between child of God and a child of, of the enemy. We have been adopted into his family, and now we are children of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's take a look at verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, and I'm going to read to verse 20. This will be in the New Living Translation. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Look at verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now take a look at this. God, through the Apostle Paul, is telling us, telling you and I, that he wants us to let our roots go deep into his love. He wants us to know how wide, how high, how deep his love is. He wants us to know it. Now, he says we may not fully understand it, but his desire is that we search and we go down deep and we come to a place that we can understand how much we're loved. We've got to get to this place where we understand that we are loved by God. We are valuable to God. Listen, your life is valuable to God. I know religion told you, well, you know, God don't need you and this and that. You are part of the body of Christ. He needs his body in the earth. And he needs his body healthy in the earth. I thought I'd get a better amen in that. I said he needs his body healthy in the earth. He needs us well and healthy in the earth. You are valuable to him because you are loved. You're loved. And you need to start seeing yourself in that light. You need to start seeing yourself. I'm loved by God. Therefore, when we read Psalms 91, every service, you read, you're not just reading it just because pastor asked you to read it. You're listening to a love letter from God and you're reading it out loud. This love letter is telling you that I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to watch over you. When something tries to spook me and I get spooked occasionally, you know, you, I mean, we got a lot going on in this country. We got a lot going on in the world, right? It can spook you. The first thing I do is I meditate on how much I'm loved by God. And I'll begin to say, my father loves me. My father loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. 
Oh, he loves me. Oh, there was uh, 10,000 people got shot over here. My father loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, two people got shot at the mall. My father loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, there's a school shooting. My kids are loved by God. And I pray over your kids. Those that are connected with this ministry, I pray for your kids. They are loved by God and no weapon formed against them shall prosper because we are greatly loved by God. I'm valuable to him and he loves me. Are you with me today? Say he loves me. Say he loves me. Say it again. He loves me. A deeper revelation of his love for you will reveal to you how valuable you are to him. A deeper revelation of his love for you will reveal to you how valuable you are to him. And and I know religion has taught us, well, you know, God doesn't need you and God doesn't really, you know, want, want you and God can get somebody else to do it. God's saying, I love you. I love you. I'm calling you. I want you to trust me. I want you to obey me. I want you to hear me. I want you to believe what I'm saying. He loves you. And when you begin to see the love, 1 John 4, 18, one of my favorite scriptures says, perfected love casts out fear because fear has torment. That word fear can be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be worry. It could be concern. Perfected love. What is perfected love? Love that you have developed, love that you are maturing in, love that you are operating in is perfected love. And that love is driving out the anxiety out of your life, driving out the fear because you are loved. And this is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.